0: to the Church Home Podcast. My name is David and I'm the CEO here at Church Home. And I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message from Judah around the person of Jesus and his love for you. And hey, if we can serve you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out and chat with a pastor on our pastor chat tool, which you can find on our website. And if you've been impacted in any way by this message, we wanna invite you to join those who so generously give to tell the story of Jesus across this globe. Go ahead and visit us on churchhome.org give or text the word generosity to 97000. Now sit back, relax and enjoy this message. Hey church, we're here in Singapore and I am so excited. We are beginning a brand new collection of talks in a series we're entitling The Last Conversation and we're just going to be investigating and studying together uh, the last words that Jesus uses with his apprentices or disciples and how it pertains to you and me and our community, and the overall grand plan of God in the earth. But before we go any further, can I just have a big thank you and shout out to so many people practicing their faith with us at Church Home here in Singapore. We've been able to meet some friends and also be here with one of our dear friends, Pastor Joseph Prince at New Creation Church. It has been a wonderful time, and I must admit there is no place like Singapore. Now, if you notice some sweat on my T-shirt, please don't be distracted. Uh, The humidity here, um, well, it's beyond that which I have even possibly imagined. No, no, it's not too bad, but it is hot. It is 97 degrees Fahrenheit, and it is heated. So if you see me sweating, it's not that I'm worried or stressed. It's just that we are hot, but also so excited about the collection of talks and sermons that we're going to do, again, titled The Last Conversation. Today, what I wanna do is just kind of prep you and give you a bit of an overview as we prepare to study these chapters in the book of John. Chapters like John 14, 15, 16, 17. We'll conclude the whole series looking at some of the last remarks of Jesus and what is John chapter 21. But I want us to start to consider the beginning of what we call the last conversation. Jesus starts in John 14 by telling his 12 disciples, you're gonna do greater works Than me. Right out the gate, the conversation kind of gets wonky and weird. What do you mean we're going to do greater works than the Christ? How are we going to do greater works than you, Jesus? And of course, what he meant was, and I say of course, but maybe it's not even that obvious, is that we're going to do more than even Jesus did. That the message and his love and his story would spread like a wildfire through the earth. You start to look at this last conversation and it's very obvious that Jesus is essentially telling his disciples we're going to change the world guys which is frankly outrageous. Jesus hasn't traveled more than about 140 square miles in his entire lifetime. He's relatively unknown in consideration of the known world and the empire of Rome for instance. Doesn't have that much pull and that much sway and of course his story ends with him laying down his life and a resurrection. Jesus, before his crucifixion, before his resurrection, he tells his 12 guys, we're going to change the world. Have you felt a little bit just like life can be meaningless? Like in your own life. You ever have those friends that they always want to get together for coffee or for some drinks or for some pizza, and they're like, bro, we're going to change the world. And If you're my age and you're 40s, I'm kind of at halftime, they say, of my life, you kind of start to wonder, I don't know if we're going to change the world. I don't know if, like, we can even do that. Frankly, I'm trying to stay married, trying to make sure my kids are productive contributors to society. Changing the world can kind of feel like a million miles away and, frankly, far too much to ask. I wonder sometimes that those disciples were sitting at the table and Jesus is like, greater works you're going to do than even I've done. And essentially, you're going to change the world. And I wonder if they thought to themselves, what? Peter's thinking, I'm still dealing with lying and manipulating and deceiving. Think of all the 12 guys. They got proclivities and challenges and weaknesses just like you and just like me. And yet Jesus says, you're going to change the world? How? By the time of his crucifixion, those three days are some of the darkest days of Jesus worshipers and Jesus followers in the history of the church. They Locked themselves in a room, terrified that they too might be killed, crucified, or executed. Of course, we know the story. Three days later, Jesus does exactly what he says. He resurrects, walks through walls, and tells the guys, don't be afraid. Now remember, we're going to change the world. What a notion. What a concept. How could this be? And yet, in 30 short years after, some argue less than 30 years, Christianity, or more specifically, the telling of the forgiveness of God through the person of Jesus was spreading like wildfire throughout the known world. Asia Minor, Antioch, and beyond, even the Roman Empire, was being dramatically impacted just 30 years later. I'm going to use a really heavy word. It's a word called despair. Now I know this might seem an odd time to stop and insert this concept that you don't have to despair, but I think it's worthwhile. I think it's something that we need to consider. If you're like me, life throws challenges and curveballs and difficulties and circumstances outside of our control. As you get older, you start to wonder, is it all meaningless? I mean, it's no mystery that Solomon, at the end of his life, he's got so much exposure, so much education, so much understanding, so much wisdom. He found he's like, guys, I think it might all be meaningless, which is another way of saying despair. Is anything going to come of my life? Is anything really meaningful happening? Am I a part of something bigger than myself? Am I just watching sermons online to feel better? And yet what we are endeavoring to do at Church Home is to play our small role in what God is doing in the earth to in fact change the world. But maybe you're 30 years before seeing any real results or any traction or progress or growth in your life. I wanna encourage you today as we ease into the last conversation Jesus had with his disciples, be encouraged on the outset, never despair. There is hope. God works in the miraculous. When things look like there is no chance, there's no crack in the door, there's no light in the darkness, there's no opportunity, there's no hope, God is famous for opening doors that no man can open, for working miracles and provision out of nothing. I hope already at the outset of this new series that we're doing right here from Singapore that you feel encouraged that whatever despair you're facing, God can overcome it. And when you least expect it and when you feel like the dream is dead and over, I'm telling you, God can restore, God can resurrect, God can do something new. There's so much pain and calamity in the world pain that our church has experienced, pain with a global pandemic, pain with political unrest and upheaval that I think has caused all of us at times to have our bouts with despair. But if anything about the history of God informs us, it ought to inform us that when things look bleak, oftentimes God does his best work. I really believe that God still has a plan for your life really believe that you're watching this broadcast for a reason. You're watching this episode, you're watching this talk because I don't think God wants you to despair. I think he wants you to give that despair to him and trust him for today. Trust him maybe, just maybe in 30 short years you could be a part of changing the world. So much more that we're going to say in this series, but I just want to underscore just a couple of more things. You start to move into John chapter 15 and 16, and Jesus promises in his last words to the disciples, hey, guys, you're going to be hated. Oh, super cool. Awesome. That's really encouraging. Thanks. He talks about the fact that there's going to be grief. There's going to be pain. And there's going to be loss. And Boy, was that true? There was. In fact, to date, researchers tell us 90 million Christians have died as martyrs for their belief in Jesus. In fact, they're saying now 90,000 Christians in the world are dying every year, and a Christian dies every six minutes for their faith right now on earth. He was right. There would be hate, there would be grief, and there would be loss. We can talk more about that. Maybe you're watching this going, you just told me not to despair, and now you told me people are dying? They, They... They are. This is life and death. Oftentimes, people think about church home and what we're doing. It's like, oh, that's a cute concept and nice content and hope you guys are helping people. I'd like to appeal just for a moment. It's much, much more than that. People all over the world are dying every day. There are wars and rumors of wars, disease, pestilence, pandemics, pain, loss, and challenges. What we're endeavoring to do here at Church Home is to play our part to be an antidote and an answer and a part of the solution. The invitation is clear, isn't it? Even as Jesus invites his disciples, so he invites us into a lifestyle that does not guarantee always our perfect, comfortable, convenient life. He invites us. So I warn you, I really do, you want to investigate the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Some of them are weighty and overwhelming, but let me encourage you. Later in John 17, Jesus says, you're gonna have pain, you're gonna have grief, you're you're gonna have loss. And then he says, it's a lot like a woman who gives birth. And after nine months, typically, she gives birth. But here's what I've never heard a mother say after birthing a child. And I've met a few and I'm married to one. And we've had three kids. And that is after the extraordinary, long, laborious nine months, and then all the pain to get the baby out, I've never heard a mom say, well, that certainly wasn't worth it. In fact, just the opposite. Seems every mom on earth says, wow, look at the child. That was worth it. Now, why is that important? Well, because in the last conversation, Jesus says a lot of the pain and grief you're going through is a lot like a woman giving birth, but the results are gonna be so overwhelming, you'll almost forget about the pain that you're going through. Interesting fact, when you look at the book of Job, much is made of the book of Job, and everyone says how bad Job's life is. Do you know Job lived 140 years, and the real bad parts of Job's life, we believe, are only nine months? Isn't that interesting? Nine months. The exact amount of time for a child to mature in a woman's womb. So Job is a portrait of the same grief. And what's the message of Jesus? Nine months isn't your whole story. There are going to be extended seasons where you are in pain. There is loss and there is pandemics. and There is upheaval and there is unrest. Maybe there's a lack of clarity and understanding of what is going on in the world, but I promise you, as Jesus promised his disciples in his last words, and once that thing is birthed in your life, I believe your conclusion will be, it was worth it. Judah, is God birthing something through the pandemic? I can't say that. Not even going to stand here and say that God is the source of disease and pandemic? Of course not. But there are calamities, and there's free will set in motion on earth. It is a result, creates challenges, problems, and pains, but God works them together for our good. And like a woman giving birth and the first cry of a baby, there is elation, joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction at the reality that this beautiful baby has been born. I also want to set the record straight. Everybody's like, I don't want to be Job. Really? You want nine tough months and 140 great years? Now, he lost a lot of loved ones, a lot of people he loves, and so I won't get into that and digress, but grand scheme, big picture, Job lived 140 years and nine months were hard. I just believe you're going through a season. I believe even as a world, we're going through a season. One of our passions is to connect, anchor ourselves again to the words of Jesus, which in fact give us hope. Don't despair. Your life is in fact more than nine months. I'm gonna say that again. Don't despair. Your life is far more than nine months. Lastly, as we begin this series, which I'm so excited about it, it's such a privilege and an honor to be in Singapore, be recording these sermons. It's it's actually so Fun. And one more time, big shout out to everybody at part of Church Home that lives here in this wonderful country of Singapore in this beautiful city. Last thing I want to say in John 17, Jesus speaks of something so profound. He speaks of this idea of glory. Glory is spoken of in scripture 247 times, depending on what translation you read. It is a paramount topic in Scripture. And he says he would share his glory with us. Now, there's more to the definition of glory, but at its essence, glory is the weight of God. And I wanna say this, as we begin the study of this series, I wanna remind you, I don't believe you have to despair. I believe you can give your despair to God. God, in a matter of a few short years, can do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, through your life. A relatively unknown rabbi who had traveled no more than 140 miles in his lifetime has changed the world as we know it, and he is still doing that today. Never despair. Secondly, I want you to be reminded today, your life is more than nine months. Nine months is not your whole story. This pandemic is not your whole story. These injustices are not your whole story. This loss is not your whole story. Divorce is not your whole story. Bankruptcy is not your whole story. Cancer is not your whole story. There's more to you than the season you're going through. But lastly, I want you to know you have momentum on your side. What do I mean by that? glory means weight. When God shares his glory with you, what he means is he's throwing his weight behind you. He's throwing his weight behind you. He's giving you momentum. I remember I wanted a little go-kart so bad as a kid living in Portland, Oregon, Northwest region, United States of America. Man, I wanted a go-kart, but the reality is we didn't have any money for go-karts. That wasn't really in the cards for the Smith family. So what do we do? Well, we I joined Cub Scouts and I made a little box car. And then I got the idea, well, dad, what if we built a car that I could ride in? And so we did. We built a box car you could get into. Had a little break. And if you put it up on a hill and push it down, it kind of felt like a go-kart. So I'll never forget, got that car out. We had painted it. And we're on the top of the hill. And you can imagine how it works. My dad got behind the cart got behind the boxcar, and what did he do? He put his weight behind me. It's momentum, inertia, like we're doing like a science class, you know? (laughs) But literally, he he pushes my car, it gives me the speed, and down the hill I go. Why do I tell that story? Because I want you to understand what you have in God. You have a good heavenly father that's giving you a boost, giving you a push. You ever do underdogs on a swing set? Like, Jude, is this the day you share all of your childhood memories? I don't know. <laughs> but you remember underdogs? Dad or mom be pushing you on the swing. Like, dad, 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 do an underdog. An underdog, he would run and he'd push me up and go under the swing. And the momentum would make the swing swing so big and fun and elation and joy and laughter. Your heavenly father is putting his weight behind you. The proverbial box card, the proverbial swing, that's your life. He wants to give you momentum. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you energy. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you perspective. He wants to give you a, 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 a belief and an expectation of good in your future. So many people watching this right now, maybe all of life has served you up in bucket loads, this idea that things are gonna get worse, they're not gonna get better, things aren't gonna work out, you're not smart, you're not sharp, you're not beautiful, you're not good enough. But I'm here to tell you that God is putting his weight behind you because he promises in John 17 to his disciples, you're gonna have my glory. Now it's gonna be imperative for those disciples To be persuaded and convinced that God's momentum is with them because they're going to go through difficult times. And I wanna encourage you today, you have the momentum and weight of God on your side in the person of His Spirit, the Spirit and person of Jesus. Never despair. Nine months isn't your whole life, and you have momentum, the momentum of God on your side. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you the moments we've had to share. And I pray more than anything through this episode that you would encourage your children everywhere all over the world. What you have started, you will not leave undone or incomplete. We trust you and rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, if you'd like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, you can't earn it, deserve it, or warrant it, You just say, I receive it. By simply saying that right now, I receive it. You're forgiven forever. Your life will never be the same. And everything I've just explained is yours by sheer gift. I love you, church. We'll talk soon.